morning, Connect. I think the table got smaller. <laughs> less room over here. Um, would have brought less stuff. So good to be here. Um, good morning, Framingham, TC. Um, it's going to be a good day. Amen? How many are ready to learn just a little bit more about the sacraments? In this series um, that, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor Chris, by the way, <clears throat> I use humor, but trust me, I'm not a clown. I just use it to get you to feel comfortable. <clears throat> but I have a, a message today, um, and we're kicking off a, a series where we're going to talk about the ordinances, the sacraments explored. Um, you saw in the video, baptism was one of them. Actually, the, these holy sacraments uh, or ordinances is one of the reasons why Christianity has lasted. So baptism is, is one thing, and, and then communion is, is another. Uh, but like just as an intro, Jesus gave his disciples the, these two practices. And we use it to remember and celebrate him. And so I know you know the story. Everybody say yes. But do you remember the story? Okay, and so that's the key thing about these rituals around sacraments. There's baptism and there's communion. These two practices, often called sacraments, they involve symbols like water, bread, and wine. And they extend what we believe are divine graces to us. These practices are corporate yet individually engaging. And I'm going to encourage you to engage. Can I get a strong amen? amen. So join us in these two, two weeks as we explore the sacraments. Uh, water baptism, which is pretty much seen as like the wedding ring of Christianity. And there are many verses. We know that Jesus was uh, baptized by the River Jordan by his cousin John. Um, and it was a sign of obedience and purification before God. And also later, in, at the end of Jesus' ministry, there's the Last Supper, which we call communion and Jesus is spending time with his disciples. He ate with them in the upper room, offering a new Passover meal, reflective of his sacrifice, his body and blood. And the early Christian community celebrated. They continued to celebrate this meal. And we do today also in the form of communion, which just means common union. It just celebrates our entrance into this new community. And so I feel excited to be talking about the ordinances. We're going to read the Bible today a little bit. Is that okay? If you didn't get excited, uh, it's, you still get time to go home. I'm kidding. Um, it, <clears throat> but um, I just think it, it's such a special opportunity to learn a little bit more. Through the lens of a story, we're going to read in John chapter 3. And the title of my message today is the AAA BCs of Salvation. Say that to the person next to you. That's right, not to be confused with the insurance company. <laughs> but the big idea that I have, we're going to read in John chapter 3. We're going to take some notes. We're also going to read in Ezekiel chapter 26. We're going to read the Bible today, amen? <clears throat> Someone's excited. I love that. The, the more excited you are, the more excited I get, just saying. And um, the big idea is this, uh, around what happens before water baptism, right? It, 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 I would say it like this. You have, so if you're taking notes, write this down. You have no active role to play when you were born. Is that true? I don't remember me buying a 12-step book on how to break out of the womb. I'm just saying. Just saying. So, and also, you have no active role to play when you are born again. 
Okay, so that's the big idea for today. So open up your Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to read the story slow. I'm going to stop the story. I'm going to talk a little bit. And we're going to extrapolate some points from the story. And then we're going to get into the points. There will be an emphasis on confession. Because one of the things that I think we don't focus enough when we accept or when we go through what is the process of salvation is that emphasis on repentance. And then there will be a call to action to something that's happening tonight, okay? I just did that for, for, for those of you who are like, where is he going with this? <clears throat> now you know. John chapter 3, if you found it, say amen. amen. Did you find it in Framingham? All right. It says, now there was, well, let's pray first. Amen. amen. Holy Spirit, we invite you into the message. I pray that I would say only what you would like me to say. I pray that your word would be fresh and revelatory and that we could learn from this story so long ago, the principles and the timeless lessons that could be applied even this week in our own lives. We thank you in advance, Lord, for what you did for us. We're so grateful that we get to be here. We get to celebrate you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, so let's read the Bible. It says, now there was a Pharisee. Now if you think of who a Pharisee was, uh, he was a religious uh, leader, and he was a, a, a Torah teacher. He was what most would say is an isolationist. Uh, they, they were publicly serving God, but they may not have had internal transformation. And they, they were st people who studied the law. They, they followed the rules, if you will. Okay, So every time you see, there were many sects of Judaism at the time. Pharisees was one of them, and they, they occupied the teaching class. Okay, So it's important for you to know what a Pharisee is. There are negative connotations to, to that brand, but this man who we're going to read about, Nicodemus, uh, he was a Pharisee. Okay, Now it says, now there was a Pharisee. A man named Nicodemus. Most people think, uh, scholars in study, that this was his nickname. He, it, it, it meant conqueror of the people. He was, he was the third richest person in Jerusalem. And, and the Pharisees, they, they linked wealth with the blessings of God. And so he had a lot of influence. He was a part of what is the, the, the Judean Supreme Court. They called it the, the Sanhedrin. There's about 70 members, and he was a part of that class. He was one of the leaders. Even, even so, by, by some, they, they said he was, he was the teacher of Israel. And at one point, history would say, not the Bible, that he may have been the ambassador for uh, Titus, who was a general, the son of uh, the emperor Vespasian, who later came in to destroy the temple. So just so you know, he is wealthy. He is connected, but he's doing something here. And I want, you to, I want you to pay attention to this because this is someone that is at the pinnacle of what society has to offer, and yet he is still searching. His real name could have been Ben-Gurion, son of Gurion, which means little lion. I like that name. Who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. I want you to underline night. When did he come to Jesus? Night. Look at me. Circles that block your search. Circles that block your search. This is why he had to come to Jesus at night. But he didn't allow the fear to at least search. 
And it's interesting that when you were on the search, how many know Jesus will meet you in your search, regardless of the faith, the faith blockers in your life? This is good. This story is good. Uh, and so he comes to Jesus at night and says, Rabbi. What does Rabbi mean? Teacher. So he recognizes Jesus as what? A teacher. Not yet the Messiah. And so he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And I think this is what we need more of. You want to put your city in search for Jesus? You need to be able to present the gospel in a way that makes them curious for who your God is. Maybe it's time for us to be the reason why people believe good still exists in the world. Maybe it's time for us to wear Jesus' skin on and be the reason why people have hope and suffer differently than the people on this planet. You know why? Because Jesus is the person of hope and still the solution for society. Oh, come on. Can I get a stronger amen in this church today? We need to demonstrate what we're presenting. It's good that God is hope, but how many know he's also all-powerful? He's also the solution. He can also change your life. He can also transform your future by speaking into you right now. And so there's something about what Jesus can do that if we live our lives demonstrating it, it could be that our life will speak louder than our words. <laughs> Because no one could have done this, right? And so Jesus replies. Everybody say, Jesus is going to talk. <laughs> this isn't read in some Bibles. If it's not, you need to underline this. Verily, truly. What does that mean? What is that? Verily, truly. I don't use that. Do you say that in meetings all week? Like, you're going to go get coffee? Verily, truly, honey dipped. <clears throat> Extra dose of it. It means emphasis in Jewish culture. And so not only is Jesus speaking, pay attention, but he's also saying, hey, emphasis coming, exclamation mark, okay? So what he's going to, to say is the doctrine of generation or regeneration. It's very important in theology, okay? Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can see. Everybody say see. see. It's important, that word see right there, okay? No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? <laughs> unless they are what, T.C.? Born again. Born again. In the Greek, that word would be palin anathen, redo again, but from above. Now, it's interesting. Let's continue reading because this born again is an analogy. And Pharisees were the kings of analogies because they were the teachers of the what? Of the Torah, of the Bible. And so they knew the method of Jesus to teach using analogies. This is why when Jesus was to explain something of heaven or the kingdom or who he was, he would use agriculture because it was a common analogy that people could relate to because it was the industry in the economy at the time. And so now Nicodemus is going to come across confused, but listen to me. He knows analogies, and so he plays into the story, not because he's confused, because later Jesus will say, aren't you the teacher of Israel? So Jesus is actually surprised that he doesn't understand. How can someone be born when they are old? Steps into the analogy. Are you following me? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb, everybody say mothers. mothers, that's a female, to be born. 
Shots fired. I'm coming. Is that the Bible or no? If it's in the Bible, I'm going to say it. Jesus answered, verily, truly, emphasis, again. Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can enter before it was what? Now it's what? So before you enter, you must what? And to see, you need faith. You need to understand these. You can't just read the Bible, right? You got to like slow down and read the Bible. Tell the person next to you, read the Bible slow, sir or ma'am. But now there's another analogy. <clears throat> Verily, truly, right? He says, no one can enter, different than see, the kingdom of God unless they are born of what? Water and spirit. Now, he doesn't say born again. He says born of water and born of spirit. Now, I've heard many teachings on this. And I, I always default to the teaching where the Bible explains itself. Okay? Because how many know the Bible has the power to define itself? Okay? If you read the Bible enough, you'll see that the Bible is cohesive and coherent. And if you look for the same reference in other parts, you'll see that the Bible is actually reliable all in itself because it's the inspired word of God, still hope for humanity, the moral compass for this world. Can I get a stronger amen? Amen. So first he uses the analogy of being born again. Now he's not using an analogy. Jesus is using a reference. Being born of water and spirit are the words of the prophet Ezekiel. We're going to read that story. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, so flip your Bibles. It's not in the notes. To Ezekiel 36, 36, verse 24. I'll give you all some time. And this is my fault, by the way, because I, I um, came up with this verse. I didn't come up with the verse, but I mentioned the verse. <laughs> yeah, I didn't come up with anything that's in the Bible, trust me. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't sound the same. Um, but I, after I submitted my notes, and so it won't be on the screen, so I want you to find it, okay? I'll, I'll give you some time in TC if you, if you got to go grab your Bible there. So it's, it's Ezekiel 36, verse 24. Once you found it, say amen. amen. Pastor Cliff, you found it? Okay, let's go. And so I want, let's do something. Let's, let's make this engaging, okay? Every time I say the word or I read the word, I will, you're going to count. Let's do a little exercise. When I say I will, you say one. When I say I will again, you say two, okay? So let's do a little test. I will. One. I will. Two. I will. Three. You get that? All right. Now we're going to do it in the Bible. <clears throat> Verse 24, you found it? For I will... Take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Sprinkle what? And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. A new what? Oh my God. I will. Remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God and I will 
save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call you from the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. How many times is I will in there? Eleven. If you keep going, there's more. But you get the point? We can go for 20 minutes. So there's something here. There's something here. It, it, this is the most famous conversation in the New Testament. And first he uses an analogy to be born again. Nicodemus steps into the analogy and then he reminds him of the prophecy where God is doing everything to restore the relationship between God and his people. There's something about salvation that puts you in a place where you have no active role. Because when you're born again, or when you're born, you don't have a role to play. You don't push. You don't pull. I mean, in fact, me and, and Madi are, are about to have a, 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 a daughter in July. Her name is going to be Lays Hadassah. I say I, but like I'm not doing any of the work. I mean, like, I'm just gonna be there with a hand of steel, right? Like, don't break it. Uh, but there, there's something about like all the work that she's going to do, and, and like, what is Lais Hadassah really going to do? She is going to be in that situation and accept the outcome, right? So, who does all the pushing? The mother. Who does all the work? Who goes through the suffering? Who goes through the pain? And so when Jesus is saying, you must be born again, he's also saying, for you to accept salvation, there is nothing you can do that can undo the grace that I have unleashed on the planet because it has all been done and finished through the son of Jesus. And then he reminds him, hey, do you remember the I wills? There's like 20 I wills. God will, God has, God will do. Can I get a strong amen? First you see to enter. Now, this story, Nicodemus shows up like three times in this, in this book. And did you know like he is, this is the only gospel where he's talked about? He's not mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's only mentioned in John. So there's something about John, and, and tradition would say that later John... The disciple and Peter would baptize him in water. Spoiler alert. But he shows up three times in this story. He shows up in chapter 3, we just read. You know he also shows up? He shows up in chapter 7. And he also shows up in chapter 19. And so if he shows up in the narrative gospel three times, is there something for us to grab? There's something for us to grab, okay? So I want you to write this down. Because after... The greatest conversation comes the greatest verse in Christianity. And you know the verse. It's John 3 what? Let's read it together. Because now this verse is going to sound a little different to you. But you have to read the Bible like, like what I just did here you can do at home. Right? And so, and so now when you read John 3.16, you're going to see details that you wouldn't have seen before because of how I extrapolated the message. Okay, now turn your Bibles to John 3.16, underline what I'm going to see in past tense. John 3.16, and it says, for God, so what? What is it? What's that word? Is it, what tense is it? It's past? 
Does it say for God so loves? Or does it say loved? It says loved, right? I had to put emphasis on that. Might break out in tongues. And so, and so now, he reminds him of the I will. He reminds them through the analogy of being born again that, hey, it's all on me. It's what Jesus is doing. It's what he will do. But now, when it's time to make the invitation, it's in the past tense. Look at this. Look at this. For God so loved the world that he what? Does it say he gives? But wait a minute. Isn't Jesus still standing here? Has Jesus been on the cross yet when this story was happening? No. But, 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 but he's speaking to the permanent state of salvation. He's speaking to eternal right standing, past, present, and future. Watch this. He gave and he loved. Those are two words that are in the past tense, okay? So there's four parts in this verse that I want you to write down. Number one is he loved. Number two is he gave. And then number three is we believe. We didn't say, it doesn't say we believed. It says we believe in the present tense. You see that? And so it says, it says whoever, everybody say whoever. Please don't put a filter on that. Please don't put a filter on that. All are welcome. All can come to Jesus. He died for humans, not for Christians. Christianity is a new term. How many know if you believe in Jesus, you have access to salvation? Can I get a strong amen from this church this morning? Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Everybody knows this verse, but I'm going to break it down to you like this. He loved past. He gave past. We believe in the present. And we live forever in the future. You see that? Remember that verse. Remember it just like that. And so tradition would say that later Nicodemus was actually baptized in water. In chapter 7, let's do this. Open up John chapter 7. It's so good to read it together, isn't it? Open up to John chapter 7. And go to verse 50. This is where Nicodemus shows up in the story again. Once you found it, say amen. You, you found it over there in TC? Okay. And so it, 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 verse 50, chapter 7, verse 50. Who's that name? Nic oh, there he is. We found him. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier. Now look at me. Earlier means two years ago, okay? That's two years ago. Sometimes it takes time to work out your salvation. And that's okay. And who was one of their own, the Sanhedrin, the ruling religious class, okay? He says, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out that he is doing what he is doing? This verse is Nicodemus going from private curious seeker to public defender of Jesus. Because here, they had heard some things about Jesus, and they were saying, we should do something. And he references law and says, hey, even the Romans have process. And so we must hear from Jesus at first hand, not depend on rumors. So here's him showing up in the story as a public defender, okay? So he shows up again in chapter 19. Turn your, turn your pages or whatever phone, if you have a phone or an app. Go, to, go, go now to chapter 19. 
John chapter 19. This is the third time that Nicodemus is going to show up in the story. Let's look at verse 38. If you found it, say amen. It says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. This is after Jesus' death. Now Joseph was, was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by who? Nicodemus was at the end. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh, or myrrh. You know what that is? It takes away moisture from the corpse. It preserves the body. And aloe, it's a scent. It smells like sandalwood. About 75 pounds. Do you know how much money that is? Close to a quarter million dollars in today's money. Do you know what he's doing here? Sacrificial offering. Wow. Something happened, didn't it? Yeah. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This actually wasn't Jewish culture. Only Jacob, Joseph, and Jesus was wrapped in linens. Isn't it interesting that he went from curious seeker, public defender, to sacrificial surrender? He traded his post. Because he did this, not only did he give up his spot as the third richest man in Jerusalem, but he was banished from Jerusalem. And he had to live outside. Tradition would say, the Bible doesn't say, you can look it up. But tradition would say that at this point, the message of the gospel or the being born again so changed him with convictions internally that what he was looking for was the seven steps of salvation, or what, what, what do I actually have to do? The main question that Nicodemus had was the how. It was the how. It was the how. And the how isn't a formula. It's not seven steps. It's something that happens between you and Jesus that changes you forever. He held the body of Jesus. I wonder what he said to him. Now, eventually he would die a martyr. He died for the cause. And his works, what he did, I, I'm so curious. Like, when, when we get there, I want to I know. I want to know when his works are finally published in heaven. I want to know how many people came to know Jesus because of his testimony. The Bible says that not everything was written. Enough is written for us to suffice, but I'm curious how much influence, how many people stepped into heaven because of Nicodemus being willing to transfer everything. Isn't that an amazing story? Can we learn something from Nicodemus or Ben-Gurion? I mean, there's something that I extrapolate as, as guiding thoughts for mindset, but there is no formula, okay? And so I'm going to go into this for the sake of us having stru structure, because one of the things that Pastor Eric says uh, that, that I ascribe to fully is sometimes we, we, we need to break things down to, to, to retain it better. And so I'm going to give you some structure. It's based on the title to help you understand when Jesus does this and it happens 
and it happened in the story of Nicodemus, how does it unfold? What, what are the guiding structures or thoughts? And so it's, it's A, B, C's, but it's triple A. Okay, so we're going to go into that if you're taking notes. And so step number one, the triple A's, what are they? It's this. It's accepting. Write that down. It's accepting. It's admitting. And it's acknowledgement. Okay? We see that this happens as a pattern. As a pattern. When you come to Believe in Jesus first, you must accept. It, it happens naturally in psychology. And it's found in Matthew 16, 16 that says, He has all authority, both in heaven and on earth. You have to accept that. What exactly are we accepting? What exactly are we admitting? What exactly are we acknowledging? Everything in that verse. A practical step would be this. Accept what he did for you. Accept what he did for you. And I know that maybe, maybe you, you live a life where you, where you have this sense of, well, I'm a good person, right? But, but, but the bar wasn't be good. <laughs> the bar was be perfect. And so you needed to hit the bullseye 15 times. And I know you got the 14, the last 14 straight bullseye, but you missed the first one. Because in the beginning, we all, we, we all came into a fallen world. And so because we missed the mark, we must accept that Jesus is sufficient for our misses. Can I get an amen? And so accept what he did. Amen? Accept that. Also, admit that you need help. Admit that you need help. How many know the people that can be helped are the people that admit they need help? How many know God can't solve a problem you say you don't have? <laughs> ownership comes through admission. Actually, I do need help with my finances. Actually, I do need help being a better father. Actually, I do need help managing my emotions. Actually, I do need help with addiction because when we admit, that is the first step to allowing the finished work of Jesus to be sufficient in your own life. Elbow the person next to you and say, he's talking about you. No fights, please. So it's accept, it's admit, and it's acknowledge. you got to acknowledge. Right. Acknowledge what? That he is who he said he is. Right. Who is Jesus? He's not a great teacher. He's not a prophet. He is the son of the living God. Can I get an amen out of T.C. in Framingham and Ashland this morning? Number two is believe. Believe. So that's the triple A. You need to believe. This is an intentional effort, okay? Because you all believe in something. Most of you believed in the Patriots until Brady was gone. <laughs> Coming for you. You all believe in something. Like when you go down the Mass Pike at, you know, 80 miles an hour. Well, that's over the speed limit. Hold on. Um, 65 miles an hour. Or even like, you know, Route 9, like you believe in something. You believe that the drivers on the other side of the road will obey the double solid yellow lines. Like when you see a, a, a sign that's a, a light stop you, you, and, and it's red, you believe that other people will go and you'll stop. And the, the reverse, if it's green for you, what makes you go through that sign? It's because you believe other people will stop. And so you believe in something. Some of you believe in people. 
But when we're talking about the gift of salvation, after you admit, after you acknowledge, after you accept, you need to transfer belief from something to someone. And you need to believe that Jesus, Israel, can help and is available to you even today. That's what John 3.16 is. That's what we broke down. He, he loved, he gave, we believe, we live. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? A practical step is understanding how we learn language. Like, did you believe? Did you know it all? Like, even uh, JJ, he's now getting more talkative. And, uh, and at home, we speak only Portuguese because we don't want them to lose it. It's so funny how they mix the two up and they make up new words. <laughs> it's like, put that in the dictionary because it was cute, you know? <clears throat> and, like, there's a lot of things. He, he says a lot of things, and he has no idea what it means. You know, he just, he heard us saying it, and then he repeats it, and it's like we're laughing because we know what it means, but, but he doesn't know what it means, you know? Uh, and, and so even with how we learn language, you don't know it all before you try it. You try it to know. You, you, you say things. Even like, I remember when I came to this country in 1989, uh, I didn't speak English, and I would watch Sesame Street. That's where I learned how to speak English. Uh, and the big bird was the word. Um, <laughs> What was interesting was I would, like, everybody, anybody that's close to me knows I love to make up words. And not here. In other social settings. <laughs> like, did he make up all those words? And I, I just, I, I, it's because of when I came here, I, I, I didn't know. Like, I would watch TV, and I would, I, I would listen to people, you know, like the sitcom shows, and they would laugh. And then I would laugh, too. <laughs> no idea what they were saying. We're like, uh, <laughs> like, I don't understand English. <laughs> but you just, you, you start to do things, right? And then, like, I would, I would go to, to the, to, out in town and talk to people. You know, the book is on the table, stuff like that. Yes, you know, that's, you just, you, you try things. You, you say things. The people who learn the fastest are the people that are the, are, are, are the more fearless, right? They're, they're, not, they're not worried about, hey, that's going to free someone. Um, like, you're not afraid of looking a certain way. You're just going to go out there and be vulnerable and, and try to speak, right? And, and so there's something about even how we learn language where, like, we believe we will be understood if we try it. And we don't have to understand it all before. So when you think about even in the basic level of communication, you try things without knowing it all. And so could it be that trying the belief in Jesus could be the thing that transforms your life. And number three is confession. Everybody say confession. If you could stand with me in TC and in Framingham. <laughs> I would keep going, but then I wouldn't be invited back. <laughs> um, and this is the part that I want to put an emphasis on, okay? You got the story. You got the two points. This is the last point that I think sometimes we don't put enough focus on, and it's confessing. A, B, C's of salvation. C is confession. What is confessing? It's, it's when you become vulnerable enough to talk about the things that you've admitted to. You admitted it to yourself in Jesus, but like that private 
accepting, admitting, and acknowledgement needs to transfer into something called confession. And if I had to, like, say, for the easiest way for us to understand, like, what is confessing, it's when you've identified sin in your life. Sin is missing the mark. See, the problem of being born again is the lack of focus on repentance. Because it asks, pay attention to this, okay, this is, this is the, what I want to stick. The problem of being born again is lack of focus on repentance. Because it asks for the benefits of relationship without the association. And that was the big problem early on in Nicodemus' life. He wanted the benefits of the truth because the truth induces labor. That's why he said you must be born again, because truth also induces labor. Because when you know too much, it's not that the womb wasn't a good place, but it's that now you know too much. And so your past is too small for where you need to go. Because it asks for the benefits of relationship without association. So what does it mean to repent? Here are some characteristics. I want you to close your eyes right where you are because I want you to think of things. Number one, we name our sin as sin. And we do not spin it or excuse it. And further, we demonstrate godly sorrow, which is to say a grief chiefly about the sin itself, not just a grief about being caught or having to deal with the consequences of sin. Here's another characteristic. We actually confessed before we were caught, or the circumstantial consequences of our sin caught up with us. If found out, we confess immediately or very soon after and come clean, rather than having to have the full truth pulled from us. Real repentance is typically accompanied by transparency. Here's another characteristic. We have a willingness and an eagerness to make amends. We will do whatever it takes to make things right and to demonstrate we have changed. Here's a good one. We are willing to confess our sin even in the face of serious consequences. Yeah, I'm going to go here. Including discipline including having to go to jail, including having our spouse leave us. We may grieve the consequences of our sin, but we do not bristle under them or resent them. We understand that sometimes our sin causes great damage to others that is not healed in the short term or perhaps ever. We, do see, we don't resent accountability. That's so good. We don't Repentance doesn't resent accountability. It doesn't resent rebuke. It doesn't resent consequences. We seek our comfort in the grace of God in Jesus Christ, not simply in being free of the consequences of our sin. And here's the last one. We are humble and we are teachable. Look at me for a sec. These are also the characteristics of a disciple. Not a fan. I'm here to tell you that Christianity is a full participation sport. You cannot sit in the stadiums and cheer us on. You must get in the field and fight for the truth. As I end today and the campus pastors in both TC and Framingham start to take stage, I want to conclude with this. 
What should you do next after this? Okay, so now I got the structure, the triple ABCs of salvation, the story of Nicodemus. What do I do next? Well, you come to a wedding. You come to a wedding. What are you talking about, Pastor Chris? See, tonight we have a wedding. It's called water baptisms. The best way for you to get is to catch. I'm not asking you to check your intellect at the door, but I'm asking you to try and experience. If you've never been to water baptism, or if you've never been water baptized, it's the wedding band of Christianity. I want you to come tonight. It'll be packed here, but I want you here. Not because we're going to try to influence you to get baptized. No, no. Because when you see, when you see, then you enter. (laughs) amen when you see then you enter when I look back on my ministry one of the photographs that stick the loudest is watching people break out of that water seeing addiction broken relationships restored you see when when you are born God does all the effort because he's the one that gives life. But when you are born again, he restores the original beauty. (laughs) So can I make that invitation? Before we go, I just want to say we love you, TC. We love you, Framingham. We're going to give you an invitation now before the wedding. So if you're here, I want to give you an invitation. Do you know how I came into Christianity? Someone invited me. How did you come to know Jesus? Do you know how Nicodemus came to know Jesus? Through one of his followers. Has the message reached you? I know you know the story, but do you remember the story? And so if you're here, I don't think it's by accident. I think it's on purpose. I think it's on purpose. And so I want to give a major invitation today. Like, this was a message on salvation that points to water baptism. I I hope you saw that. But what I want to do is, if you're here, I want to be fully responsible for this moment. And I want to say, do not leave without considering making a decision. Listen, nothing changes until we decide. And so if you're here, and everybody that's already accepted Jesus and believes... I want you to stay with me in intercession in this moment because I believe there are people here that are just one acceptance away from life transformation. I want you to know that God sees your future and it's much bigger than your present. I want you to know that there are bigger doors for you to walk through and that the best part of your life is not in the past. It's in the future with Jesus Christ. I have seen bondage break. I have seen cancer broken. I have seen lives restored because of the power of Jesus Christ. I have seen children healed. I have seen people delivered, and you have also. And so if you're here and you're saying, well, well, maybe that's me. It is. It is. This, this is for you. And so with every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're here for the first time or you've come before, but you never actually made the decision to follow Jesus. What does it mean? What is it like? I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. The Bible says that if we believe, we wouldn't perish, but we would have
have everlasting life. And so if that's you in this room, I'm going to count to three. And when I finish, I'm going to ask you to just slip your hand up and put it back down. I'm not going to bring you up forward. And so one, if that's you, I want you to know that Jesus loves you more than you will ever know. And he is that relationship that when all others step out, he steps in. Two, this could be the start of something that changes your life forever for the better. Three, if that's you, could you raise your hand and put it back down so I could see you? I see you to my left. I see you in the middle. I see you in the middle. I see you to my, in the middle also. I see you in the back. I see you to the left. God bless you for those decisions. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for those moments, for those decisions. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for those decisions and the decisions that happened at the other campuses. Now look at me for a sec. The power wasn't in raising your hand. The power was in the belief. It was in the belief in your heart. And maybe you didn't raise your hand and it's in your heart. What I want you to do is give you a next step. Go to Guest Central downstairs and, and find out more about this decision. But before we end here, I want to confirm that decision, okay? And so let's everybody say this prayer. And the prayer is actually the message. You'll see it as we repeat it together. Just to confirm that belief that happened in your heart. Amen? So everybody say this with me. Say, Lord... I accept, I admit, and I acknowledge that you are Lord of all. Lord, I believe that you died, that you were buried, and that you rose again. And I confess that I need help. So help me now. In Jesus' name. Let's give it up for those decisions. God bless you.